Welcome to On Your Marks. My name is Peter and I'm the leader of St Mark's Church in Jersey. We want to pick the Bible apart and dig a little deeper into certain topics to help equip people for life as a disciple of Jesus. We add new content twice a month and hope you get a lot out of this. So if you're ready, let's go. Lovely to be with you, Ray. And yourself. We're sitting in your office, we've got our commentaries, we've got our Bible open and we're going to record an episode of Ray's Take. We're going to look at two subjects today, spanning two weeks, Ascension and Pentecost. Yes, might seem a bit of a handful, but I, I don't I never see us separating the two. So Yeah. Um, in fact... Um, the let's read it first let's read it okay so we're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna we, we might have two readings from scripture but we're gonna split the two up we'll do um ascension first yep. followed by pentecost after so um we're in acts chapter one verses one to eleven and guys we're reading from the esv but you know get whatever whatever translation you would like to read from and follow along so acts one verse one to eleven <clears throat> the promise of the holy spirit in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There we go. Right, absolutely. And we have what must be a pretty rare passage of Scripture because Luke has already covered this yeah. at the end of his Gospel, right right on the, the last couple of verses or so. Not with the same amount of detail, though. Not with the same amount of detail, not so specific, um, but nonetheless covering the event. Yeah. And... Um, you can speculate as to why that be, should be. Um, I prefer not to spe speculate with mm. my surname. Um, <laughs> For those who don't know, Ray's surname is Spec. <laughs> not everyone would know that. Uh, therefore, we take the emphasis is apparent. Yeah. The ascension is of significance in the life of the people of God today. Um, 
and sadly it is not recognised as such. Mm. Um, it's the Cinderella. Um, I don't generally sort of look at the past and say what we'd, what we'd missed, but in this one I will, in that I went to a secondary school that was state school, a secondary grammar, um, and Ascension Day was a day off. Wow. <laughs> See wow. how we've changed. Yeah. Um, it seems to be a day off for most Christians now, but um, mm. not in that way. Well, I joked on Sunday. I said, "Who's who sent Christmas cards this year? What about Easter cards? Good Friday cards? No. What about Ascension cards? Did anyone send or receive an Ascension card? Doesn't get much press, does it? Doesn't no, get much publicity. Doesn't have that emphasis, and yet it clearly links the main events of the work of Christ, and I think for that reason alone." It deserves understanding, mm. and we seek that understanding from the grace and revelation of God Himself, and it's 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 all here. Um, and I, and I love the little touch of the um, th- three men dressed in white. Yeah, is it two men? Yeah, yeah, two men in white. Two robes. two men in white. Yeah, verse ten. Yeah. Maybe good at maths. <laughs> um, and um, fascinatingly, they are perceived as Jesus has risen and actually has risen. There can be all sorts of debate about which direction he went. Yeah. Um, he went up. Yeah. That was good enough. Mm. Uh, and then these two chaps come and point them to something different. I worked in Suffolk before we came to Jersey and one of the local churches arranged regular monthly meetings called Second Coming Meetings. Mm. And they had this monthly meeting to discuss details of the Second Coming of Christ. and um, it, it amused me substantially that they spent so much time discussing the details, the timing, and everything about the second coming of Christ. And here are these two men saying, they don't stand here gazing into the future. Get on with it. Get, Get out on there. with it. Here is is your motivation for sharing the good news of the death, resurrection and coming glory of Christ. And the the thing I like, which is missed in Acts, but Luke includes at the end of his gospel, is this verse. It says, this is the last two verses, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God or praising God. So the impact of the angels or the two men around in robes saying, "Stop looking at, stop looking at Jesus going and worrying about him going. Get on with stuff." They went and praised God and they worshipped. And yeah, I think in their case, there is a difference in that they're waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, 
that's the empowerment that they required. Um, and yet, I mean, the, the fact of the promise of the Spirit mm. and the signs of the Spirit in the manifestations that happened at the time uh, are such as to amaze them anyway and also to they've, they've got to wait for Pentecost to happen mm. um, so no no harm done in but there's fact, still other stuff to be doing oh yeah you yeah. Know, and, the, and the result was they went and praised and worshipped which is pretty good which is pretty good yeah yeah but I, I know what you're saying about the second coming meetings you know Jesus's words here in verse 7 it's not for you to know times or seasons yes. you know and that's uh, that is a uh, in response to question about the kingdom of God, um, whether there remained a residual understanding that there would be a setting up of the king, kingdom of God in an earthly sense, I'm not sure. Um, that seems to be the implication of their question. Mm. Um, and Jesus is pretty clear about that. Mm. But um, did stop worrying. It's not your business to know anything about that. Um, it worries me slightly that um, we've tended to increasingly speak of kingdom theology and kingdom this and that, when um, my understanding is Christ is my king. That's clear. Mm. That's biblical. And I, I think we're perhaps on less certain ground in some of our approach in this whole area. We were speaking before we you know, started recording about how we can get ourselves tied up in knots. Yeah. And I frequently do, and we... You help me to untie some of them, and the, often the knots just are complicating something which is not meant to be complicated. Yeah, yeah. And where Christ has said, "Leave it." Yeah. Basically. Basically, do it and leave it. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked, but not surprised about the whole ascension day off school thing. That's <laughs> crazy. So I mean. Obviously, well, well that, don't forget that was in a day um, long past <laughs> uh, when you wouldn't ever separate Easter from the end of term holiday. It was it was all it would always coincide, bearing in mind that in terms of the church calendar. Easter could be well, well separate. Yeah. Um, very different from year to year because mm. it's all fixed by the, the full moon or something. Oh, right. Oh, yes, of course. Of course it is. It's going to Passover and things like that. Yeah. And therefore, the powers that be had to fix yeah. Easter's holidays accordingly. Yeah. Now, that's not the case now. No. Any, and so, so Pentecost, well, Pentecost, of course, was a holiday. 
always. And the thing is, when these things are so ingrained in our culture, it reminds us of their significance. Yes. So what is the significance of Ascension rather than Pentecost? Because often Pentecost gets more of a focus than Ascension. Yeah, because of the universal relevance of it um, and the challenge of it in terms of the work of the Gospel and that, that I would have thought would be enough to get us going. Um, what do you mean by the universal nature of it? That it applies to every believer, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the ascension is significant because it makes what Jesus said universal. His yeah. ascension, he is then... Yeah. 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 Uh, it marks a completion of the work of salvation as well. Okay, yeah. Having said that, there is a sense in which our salvation is not complete until he returns. Yes. Um, so it's both and. And there are lots of those in the scripture. Okay, the last verse we read, verse 11, is this a both and? It says, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him going. Is exactly. That, is that talking about end times? Is that talking about the Holy Spirit? What's that? That, that is his return at the end of time. At the end of time, yeah. And that is... Um, an affirmation of the, the manner of that return. Um, some of it is extraordinary and impossible to unwrap. Mm. Um, it indicates that every eye will see him, mm. every knee will bow to him. Um, every tongue confess. What's he, what's he going to do? Go round the earth on a satellite? Or, well, uh, yeah. Uh, but then a satellite has proved that it can be done. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, and that is ensures the return of Christ. And it's a great encourager because it, as Christ has truly risen from the dead, has ascended into heaven, his return is as certain. So that those two events are in history demonstrated and true so his re return will be true mm. um, and, and there's a, an authenticity I think about this account of the ascension it, it's, it's simple mm. it's direct um, it's, it's directional points to glory yeah. and it ensures that those who believe in Christ will go where he has gone ahead. He is the firstborn. He is the first. He, he has returned to his father. And he sat down at the right hand of glory, indicating the finished nature of his salvation. And I think that is a, truly remarkable truth um, some will focus on his um, eternal intercession or something of that sort um, the I always remember my vice principal at college um, would always say that when he sat down it indicated he had finished his work and his pr 
presence assured that they that the father was reminded of the complete sacrifice of the son of god and i love that when he's seated it indicates a finished a work a finished. work finished yes that's lovely that's this is what we miss by not elevating ascension as we forget yeah. the significance of it it's it's truly remarkable and so important that our access to the Father is indicated here and assured here and promised here. And to ignore that mm. is extraordinary. It's the fourth, I mean, in Jesus' life, but the birth, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, Correct. and then the promise of the return yes yeah well th this year for me has been one where the ascension purely because i was down to preach and i'm you know leading a church and it's our second year I, i've it's forced me to really try to grasp its significance i, I think if we'd had a bank holiday <laughs> and we've been off work you know, yeah. it would already be in our minds. Yeah. So we've definitely lost something. Mm. So then he's promising the Holy Spirit. Do, do you want to? Do you feel ready to move on to Pentecost? We've got time to talk about. All right. Let's yeah. go press on. Yeah. Let's press. I think we should press on. Yeah. Um. So Which we're going to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. Perfect. So I'm going to read Acts chapter two, um, starting at verse one, um, and we'll probably end up reading it down to verse thirteen. Yep. Oh, and as I'm as I'm looking down, um, I can see lots of words that I'm going to probably mispronounce. But that's okay, everybody. Uh, we can mispronounce things, and you can laugh as you're listening to them. <clears throat> okay. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we, he we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Uh, oh gosh, I can't do this. Verse 10. Phygia? Where are we? Uh, verse 10. Verse uh, Phrygia. Phrygia and, and Pamphylia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and, and proselytes. Is it proselytes? Yep. Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "What does this mean?" But others were mocking, saying, "They're filled with new wine." Yep. Wow. So the words I struggled with there, verse 10, Phrygia and Pamphylia. Yeah. Okay, great. Only two mm -hmm. words. 
Yeah, well, you've learned something. You've learned something. Um, so, the, they're all together in one place. Yep. Likely to be somewhere in the temple. Mm. Um, there wouldn't be a suitable house big enough. Um, and particularly as a significant number of people were converted as, in, as a part of this whole event. Yeah. Um, therefore, there are a lot of people in hearing distance, a lot of people observing. Um, that in itself confirming the reality of it and the extraordinary nature of it. Mm. Um, and it would appear that um, many of those who were from other lands and other places um, were giving testimony to the fact that we, they understood what was being said. Um, therefore, they were in hearing distance. Um, it's, it's a slight exaggeration, surely, every nation under heaven. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's... Because the, that's, they're talking about Jewish nations. They're talking about all Jewish nations in verse 5. Every nation, all Jewish nations under heaven, OK? And then they've listed all the ones which are in the... What were they doing in Jerusalem? I'd have to look that up. But for whatever reason, there's a multitude. They're all in Jerusalem. Yeah. There's a lot of people there. Yeah. And um, clearly they were met somewhere that could accommodate that number. Mm. So, Ray, in verse 4, this is something that's been... I've been thinking about... No, sorry, not verse 4. Verse 3. Yeah. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. I mean, I'm, I'm reminded of John the Baptist saying that Jesus would baptise with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What is fire? Because... And what's the significance of it? Right. Um, first of all, you'll missed... It's easy to skip over a couple of words. As of fire. In other words, the, the best description we can give after the event is it was like tongues of fire. Okay, it's a simile, isn't it? As of, instead of it is. It's rather different. It's, yeah. not, it's not saying that it was fire. Yeah, okay. It's saying it was like fire. In, in other words, they're trying to describe in understandable language something that is indescribable. Mm. Um, in fact, it was so heavenly in terms of describing an act of the Holy Spirit that they weren't able to put that down in writing, I would have thought. And it was a truly remarkable and amazing event. But in all of your life... Have you ever seen tongues as of fire when you've seen the Holy Spirit move? No. And so is that, why, what is that? And when, when John the Baptist says Jesus will baptise with the Holy Spirit in a fire, has that got a deeper significance? Or should we I be think expecting? That, um, the significance for me is that there is a continuity between the prophecy of John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, um, as perhaps we should call him. <laughs> Otherwise, we've got to think of him as an Anglican. I think. Oh yes. <laughs> no, um, there's there's a continuity between his prophetic words and the reality when it happened. In other words, you 
are going to recognise this is what John the Baptist spoke of. Right. And fire being symbolic. So fire would incorporate not only John the Baptist, but the Old Testament revelations, um, that fire was important in terms of representing the power and presence of God um, in the wilderness and elsewhere, um, when the fire went ahead of them and behind them to protect and to direct, and such is the power of God. And it was a common understanding of the presence of the living God. So at Pentecost, this symbolic moment is the outpouring for all people. Correct. The Holy Spirit. Up to this point, the Holy Spirit had generally been understood as the prerogative of a relatively small percentage of people um, within Israel. It would have been the priests and others who, and the prophets, of course, who had an outpouring of the Spirit. Um, and therefore now that same Holy Spirit is available for all Mm. who believe in Christ and the promise is is there it's it's so profound really that the fact that the Holy Spirit now is in us and what that the impact of that in our lives mm. living in the time I, I try sometimes to try to comprehend how somebody a devout Jewish or Hebrew person, Hebrew person living not in the days of the spirit what life would have felt like compared to what it is for now living in these days obviously we have our own challenges but we have the Holy Spirit living in us mm. and dwelling in us that is Yep. Incredible. Yep. Yep. Though it's not, it, it, to me, it, it's not as if I can expect my material person to understand or even perceive the presence and power and working of the Spirit of God. I can see what the Spirit does, but I can't identify him or see him. Do you know, I I think I know what you're saying. You tell me if I've got this wrong. This is why I like, and I can resonate with me in verse 2, the idea of the Holy Spirit being like a wind. Because we can't perceive the wind. We can see its effect. Correct. And the Spirit of God, I can see the leaves moving on the tree outside your window, but I can't see the wind. Yeah, exactly. The same as the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important that we we don't have wrong expectations. Mm. We have biblical expectations that signs, wonders and works of the Spirit are a promise for us. Um but not necessarily all the time, not necessarily con- continuous, um, but always the possibility. Yeah. And I've, I've read somewhere that the, the Eastern churches 
have never had a season without the work of the Holy Spirit in this sort of way somewhere hmm. in their communion which is quite challenging isn't it yeah yeah hmm. because yeah. there's also the notion of being filled and yes so can you be half filled and your the measure of fullness is by when it overflows no i think there's a, a slight misunderstanding um, the word means completed to be filled um, so that I am completed in the Holy Spirit yeah. wow okay and therefore I am incomplete without the Holy Spirit okay that is a misunderstanding and, and that puts a different perplexion yes it does and I think it's important yeah yeah what we talk about an outpouring don't we, of the Holy Spirit? Yes, but the most usual manifestation of an outpouring of the Spirit in a locality um, results in significant repentance. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the presence of the Spirit of God in a, in a significant way makes people aware of their sin. Yeah. And there's a brokenness usually accompanies. So I've loved all my, all my Christian life to read of revivals and that's the common most significant manifestation. Well, we've seen that in Asprey in America. There's mm. been a what is claimed to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but it's very in a very humble, small yep. campus church. But it's a it's repentance. It's yep. has been the dominant thing really in yep. that place. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Always to to bless us. People have recorded these events. Um, when you can find a book on revival, get it and read it and enjoy it. Mm see what God can do so Ray just to finish off then should we just summarise why is Pentecost so significant Be because it heralds the foundation of the church indicates the primary purpose of the church which is to grow and to grow in the power presence of the Holy Spirit to believe the Holy Spirit's presence and power and to act accordingly yeah it, it's it's all there I think mm. and people say we call it we call it Acts of the Apostles but potentially you should call it Acts of the Holy Spirit yeah that's always been my little sideline you said that have you yeah. maybe I heard it from you <laughs> maybe <laughs> well Ray thanks for your time today bless you and see you next time we do hope you enjoyed this episode don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media and please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have thanks for listening and see you next time